everyone, my name is Chinenyo Okwejofo and I am here today with the Nakchasen Tilburg Friends podcast with Tone Gertz. Tone is a member of the Bexke uh, organization, which is part of an iLab of the Tilburg University Outreaching Honors Program. Tone is also the vice chairman of Consultancy Day's Committee Assets and International Business and Management, as well as an Athena Studies tutor. Now, Tone, could you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into this? Oh, hey, Chi-Chi, and hey, people at home. If I may call you Chi-Chi, that is. I um, <laughs> think you covered it pretty nicely. Um, so, indeed, I'm part of the uh, iLab um, that refers to Bexke. And Bexke is a fair trade coffee brand. And what our business model basically consists of is um, buying coffee from Rwanda, selling that in the Netherlands or in neighboring countries, but most of the business is done in the Netherlands. And then the business model is set up in such a way that we try to shift a lot of the profit to Rwanda, actually. So I did some research and I'll quickly throw the numbers at you, if I may. Sure. Um, there, apparently in Rwanda, there's a legal, uh, legal mandatory payment to the women that uh, harvest the coffee of 26 cents per kilogram. With Pexco, we add uh, $1 on top of that 26 cents. Plus, we shift uh, $1.80 to the Solace Ministry. Those do a lot of uh, supporting activities in Rwanda um, themselves. And on top of that, we try to shift 25% of the profit made in the Netherlands to Rwanda as well. So basically, what Bexke tries to do is run a sustainable business and therefore helping the women in Rwanda um, to build a better life because there was genocide there um, prior to the 2000s. And that's basically what Bexka does. And then what I do for Bexka uh, with other people, it's not me, it's also a team. Um, we, Is it one team or like divided into segments? Oh, um, in total. It sounds four. like a big project. I just figured like, would it be one united team that does this or like you divide yourselves into groups? That's a great question, actually. Uh, in total, we have four groups, four teams. Um, I'm part of the finance team. And with the finance team, we um, are mostly occupied with the financial health of Bexca. Um, certain prices, pricing decisions to be made, but also business development and the whole pipeline within Bexca. So CRM files, um, basically making up their financial statements and so forth. And on top of that, we have two sales teams. Um, one sales team consisting of Dutch members and one consisting of international members. Now, the Dutch sales team mostly focuses on smaller Dutch companies where it's real convenient to speak Dutch. And the international sales team is more occupied with building up international relationships. Oh, and cool. then, <clears throat> So that's pretty cool. And then uh, we have one team left uncovered, uh, and it's a social media team. 
Nowadays, every business runs on social media and so forth. Um, so we also have a team of three really motivated uh, ladies who like to manage the social media platforms of Bexca and they're constantly occupied with uh, keeping the Instagram up to date, Facebook up to date, LinkedIn up to date. They manage the website as well. Um, and that's basically how our iLab is set up. So, Wow, it's honestly a lot of a lot of work going into this project. I'm mm -hmm. amazed that the university is even part of this. Since the university is a part of this, could you tell us maybe how you got to be in Bexke? Oh, sure. Um, so um, as you might have known, I'm part of the Outreaching Honors program within Tilburg University. And um, basically what this is, is an extracurriculum on top of what you normally do. So I study business myself um, and was doing pretty well and it figured I wanted some additional challenges. <laughs> and um, although the Outreaching Honors program doesn't really have any clear-cut rules aside from you have to get so many credits each year, um, they do have one thing that which is mandatory and that's joining one of the iLabs. And iLabs are all social enterprises basically so they try to contribute to society in their own way and Bexco was one of those enterprises which you could join and um, me also having quite the appetite to volunteer I saw that a business was selling coffee in the Netherlands uh, shifting profits to Rwanda uh, therefore helping genocide survivors and this was the iLab that just popped out for me personally. Uh, initially, when I signed up, it would only be sales, but then a lot of people signed up and Bexica took advantage of that and they broke down the sales team into four different teams. And then people with certain economic backgrounds were allowed to join the finance team. So last minute, I swapped from doing sales to doing the finance. Oh, cool. It's been great, actually. So, <laughs> Well, as long as it's been exciting for you, it sounds exciting. Uh, you were talking about how, uh, how the iLabs are divided into uh, social social enterprises, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Yes. So uh, with Bexca in mind, how do you find the balance between the social responsibility aspect and the business aspect? Since iLabs are mainly social enterprise, but you're still trying to make a profit for the Bexca women. That's a great question, actually. Um, give me a second to gather my thoughts. Um, so how this specifically to Bexcado, how this would relate is um, in a sense that in order for Bexco to shift profits to Rwanda in order to help people, um, they need to sell coffee. It's as simple as this. Uh, we don't work on a donation basis. We work on a selling coffee and therefore shifting profit elsewhere basis, um, which basically means the more healthy the business is, the ben more beneficial we are to women elsewhere. Um, and this is totally the mindset uh, with which I approach Bexca. So um, I take a pretty hard business stance in this, as in we're really crunching numbers. We're really trying to push the business to be more healthy. And uh, what, what goes on in my mind then is really the mindset, the more healthy, bis uh, the more healthy Bexca is, the more we can do for other people. So in our case, the more we can, for example, press costs and therefore make more profit, 
the way the business is set up, as we shift 25% of the profits to Rwanda, uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing for the women in Rwanda. That's a good thing for Bexca. And therefore, I think that a hard business approach sort of um, goes hand in hand with being um, helping society. And that's the way Bexca is set up. So therefore, I don't really see a divide between doing business and uh, being a social entrepreneur. I think okay. with Mexico, it really goes hand in hand. And that's actually a nice thing. It's a, it's a teamwork thing. All right. So I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that the university, Tilburg University, is uh, a key focal point in the working of the Bexca, um mm-hmm. sales and marketing. How long exactly has the university been part of it? And is it something that was engineered by students or were there like higher powers to it? Um, okay, I'm going to look on my notepaper right now because <laughs> I wrote this down actually. So in 2017, Bexco was founded and uh, we have three founders, uh, Luan, uh, Marianne and Eivke, uh, now three Dutch names, uh, but two of those are uh, professors at Tilburg University actually. So their full-time job is being a professor for Tilburg University. And on the side, as they, um, I know Marianne uh, is, uh, teaches a lot of subjects related to migration, uh, but also uh, human trafficking and so forth. That's her field of studies, basically. Um, from this, she got into contact with, I believe, Solace Ministry. And initially it started, Bexca started as a sort of NGO. So not really a business, but really a a charity, more or less. It functioned on donations? Initially, I believe it functioned on donations. Um, And then eventually uh, the three owners of Bexca decided to really turn Bexca into a company. So that's what happened in 2017. And um, initially, they reached out to the Fontes and the Roy Panne. Fontes is an MBO, and the Roy Panne, I believe, is a high school in the Netherlands. And that's how students initially got into the whole Baxter project. And I think that from that point, point on, uh, as two owners were uh, teachers at Tilburg University, um, it was pretty easy step for them to reach out to Tilburg University and see how they could get involved. And as the Outreaching Honors program specifically doesn't make too much use of things that go on within Tilburg University. So it's not like we take additional classes and so forth. We really try to get experiences from outside into Tilburg University. I think they saw a match between what Bexco was doing and what students want to do within the Outreaching Honors program. And I believe since 2018, uh, Tilburg University students have been helping out Bexco. Wow, that's a deep history, especially from the <laughs> stu- no, honestly, from the students' perspective, because it just aligned the goals of people in a completely different continent and different part of the world to the goals of students whose aim was to help people in. Uh, unfortunate situations Mm -hmm. and I think that's a great collaboration honestly you help them make money at the same time you gain experience with not just helping people but building up a business and the social part of the business as well as the marketing and finance Mm -hmm. with that business aspect in mind you talked about how there are about four different groups uh, under the Bexke uh, iLab under the Bexke iLab so you said you're in the finance group. What exactly does the finance group that's different from the marketing team? Um, 
first things first, we don't have a marketing team. We have a social media team. Ah. I hope that sort of solves that one. Uh, but um, what we do different is that uh, from the finance team, as I can only speak on behalf of the finance team, of course, uh, we really have an internal focus. So we don't reach out too much. Uh, in a bit, we'll be trying to press the uh, shipment costs. So the cost of getting the coffee from Rwanda to the Netherlands. Then, of course, we'll be reaching out to external parties and see if we can ne negotiate prices. But with finance team, all we do um, is sit down with the owners, look at the financial health of the company, um, and try to make um, certain um advises based on that so um, then if i may uh what's the difference between the finance and the sales team oh i suppose that was a better question to ask <laughs> um so again finance only looks internally we don't reach out to, to outsiders too much um where we really sit down with owners try to discuss what what is healthy for the company what are good strategic moves for the future and the sales team on the other hand um, consults us, the finance team, about what the margins, uh, margins within uh, they can sell the coffee. So uh, what discounts they could give if they sell, for example, 100 kilograms of coffee all at once. But sales team really is engaged with only setting up sales strategies and reaching out to uh, either companies or consumers or even coffee roasters. And that's their day-to-day -day activity. So the sales team is constantly on the phone or answering emails, reaching out to people and so forth, really die art sales experience. And we as finance, we really try to act as an advisory um, part of Bexca, so to say. All right. It sounds like a really collaborative uh, effort. Uh, I didn't I didn't know that the sales team spent so much time on the phone uh, constantly <laughs> looking for connections. I didn't expect that. I am a law student. And I don't have much experience with business, like the planning of a business in that sense. But this all sounds really intriguing, honestly. Uh, I would join the uh, Outreaching Honors program. Definitely <laughs> uh, a cool experience. Definitely a cool experience. So if you could, uh, I understand you're a university student. Uh, you've uh, had some experience with business as well. Could you tell us a bit more about uh, eco gardens? Because after doing a bit of research on you, not to sound like stalkers, uh, but we saw you're an owner of a business called Eco Gardens. Could you shed a bit of light on that, even as a student? Yeah, you you did your stalking right. <laughs> um, let's see how we fit this into a bit of context. Um, I'll, I'll just give you the whole background story and then we'll see that Eco Gardens, uh, although still my company, isn't my day-to-day -day activity anymore. Um, but prior to studying business, I actually studied at Radboud University in Nijmegen, where I studied uh, physical chemistry. And I did that all the way up till my thesis, still at some point. Uh, other things in life happened and um, I had to work. Um, now, with my certificate in um, physical chemistry, uh, laboratories didn't want to hire me because I lacked the practical experience. Um, but still, I was in a situation where I um, had to earn money, basically. So what I did, as I don't like being bored, um, at some point I ran into a, a person and he was willing to pay a landscaping education for me. Uh, in trade of me working for his company. 
Now, um, basically, that's how it went. I started working for him. Um, and uh, from that point on, I was a landscaper. Um, I liked the profession quite a bit. I liked studying. I liked the whole aspect with climate change and nature and, and how the field was progressing more and more. Um, basically, what it resulted in was me working my ass off during the day and still studying at night, which gave me all the experience and knowledge to basically climb the ranks pretty quickly. Um, I did that for a year and a half within a company called Feldpostaune. And at that point where I basically uh, would become a job site manager, um, my boss decided that he was done running that company and that he wanted to close his door on short notice, so within a month. Now, um, that also went how he introduced it. And within a month, I was without a job and basically didn't have a way of earning money anymore. Now, from that there, I basically had two choices. Either take over the company with a partner or swap companies to another company in the town where I lived, a way bigger company, uh, less um, contact with your customers and so forth. Um, but at the time, I didn't feel too comfortable setting up my own business yet. So I opted for option two, started working for a company called Herma Fase. Um, in the transition between jobs, I was able to, to gain a bit of a higher rank immediately. But the thing that hold me back within that company was that all of a sudden from a real small company which with real close contact with customers uh, i was working for a company with 100 employees 20 teams leaving the door each morning it was wow. more massive um intense. Less, yeah less personal more intense more friction in organizatories ways and so forth um but with a lot of experience under my belt i saw the challenge um, started working there, initially enjoyed that a whole lot, but um, in the landscaping field, a lot of landscapers start doing their own projects in the weekend for people that you know, or either people that have heard of you being a landscaper. And um, basically that's what I did while switching jobs. So I took a new job, started working on the weekends as well. And uh, although I like my job a lot at first, some internal friction eventually led me to sit down with my boss once. Also keeping in the back of my mind uh, that whilst on the weekends, I was enjoying my work more, I had more responsibility, basically felt like I was back at my the old company I started. Um, sat down with my boss once, we couldn't see eye to eye to how my future would be within that company. And um, at the time, I was facing some external stress as well. That conversation got a bit heated and uh, basically resulted into me walking out the door, yelling at my boss, you know what? If you don't need me, I'll quit and I'll set up my own company. And you did. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and it sounds pretty abrupt. And it was pretty abrupt as well. Um, but basically what I found in that first company was really sitting down with people, giving back, um, thinking more thoroughly about what the customer wants, but also how to make that into the most, uh, not per se eco-friendly, but most nature-friendly way, so to say. And that same vision I trans 
try transferring to my business. So Eco Gardens, as the name does suggest, the business model was set up in such a way that um, I only bought plants, uh, native plants to the Netherlands or bred in the Netherlands, as some species come from Asia and then they were bred in the Netherlands. I tried making use of only um, natural products where possible. So I tried choosing uh, native uh, types of wood, basically all a native supply chain. And then the only thing, of course, which you can't get in the Netherlands would be uh, the paving, the tiles, and those things. And those would all come from Italy. But the whole business model was set set up in such a way that we, uh, that I I tried running a sustainable business with uh, drought-resistant native plants, which attracts a lot of bees, butterflies, and animals. Uh, the supply chain was basically fully set up within the Netherlands. So that was a nice thing. And um, with that vision in mind, I basically started my company. And luckily enough, um, I landed the right customers at the right time. Never had to do a lot of marketing. Basically, word to mouth is how I, how I spread my way through society. And I did that for a while until... I felt like I reached my limit and wanted to go back to university again. And here you are. <laughs> and here I circle. am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, your journey uh, from the beginning till now and uh, coming through Bexke, I feel like, uh, do, you, do you think you've added uh, your, with all the experience under your belt, do you think you've added some of it to uh, your uh, work or your partaking in the project of Bexke? Good question. Um, I think in a way I do. So um, to maybe give a bit more of a deep answer, um, initially I regretted my detour a whole lot. I felt like I was out of it for a while, although my business ran uh, healthy and at some point also was able to uh, employ some people or work with uh, with partners, basically other sole proprietors, um, I felt like I made a detour in life. Didn't really understand how landscaping would match in with either business or, or other things I wanted to do with university, basically. But what I've learned from that is that um, having done landscaping and especially having had your own responsibilities, because as company owner, you just have to wake up every morning and face what's ahead. I mean, you made agreements with people Definitely. and you can't call in ill that day because, well, you would basically be calling yourself and, and some something weird would go on. Um, all that experience, everything I did from chemistry to landscaping to running my own business to managing teams, all of that adds up at some point. And definitely now within Bexke, I feel that um, whereas a lot of university students have a real theoretical approach to uh, either managing issues or coming up with ideas or brainstorming and those things, I think all experiences in life I had allowed me to have a way more pragmatic view on life, maybe. So um, I'm lucky enough to have Paul within the team. He's also within the finance team and he also has his own business. And uh, the two of us are real able to 
uh, hear something, either a question from the owners or, or some issue they face. And the two of us are immediately able to convert that into action, something which has to be done to solve the issue. And I definitely see how my experience comes in convenient there, where it's not sitting down and only discussing and brainstorming and, and basically overthinking the issue at hand. Both Paul and I are real able to on the spot immediately jump towards action and jump up towards solution. And I think that's a pleasant change for Bexke for a, for a bit as well, because initially they were quite impressed with how we tackled their first um, research question, basically, as they provide us with research questions. And uh, Paul and I together were immediately able to make that real practical and pragmatic. And from that, Bexke even decided that indeed it would be the right uh, option for them to try to expand their business, scale up, therefore be more resilient towards either future crises or, or basically situations that could come up. And I definitely see how my pragmatic approach to running a business came in useful there. So yeah, definitely indeed. And then maybe a side message to the people listening. Um, oftentimes in life, you'll feel like you take detours and so forth. On the spot, those might not feel that nice, but nine times out of 10, and I think you uh, can recall those situations as well. When you look back on things, all things you experience shape you in a way. And nine times out of 10, you should be pretty grateful also for the detours you take because those only yield more experiences in life and they make you more of a person, more of a fulfilled person, basically. Um, so I embrace every experience I find, and therefore I'm also a bit of a busy man, but I definitely see the added benefit in basically everything you do in life, as long as you don't sit on the couch too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that kind of ruins it for me because I was literally about to ask you what advice you'd give to aspiring social entrepreneurs, <laughs> but you just went and and had your big moment right there. <laughs> no. Thank you. No, no, honestly, I think it's great advice uh, that there is no one road to success and it comes with all the bumps and sort of like if someone throws stones at you, use them to build your wall or no. to build a better road. That, that Totally, kind of thing. totally. So with that said, uh, thank you so much, Tone, for uh, getting through the interview with us. We will now have to take you through our guest to the test, a little game oh. we play with all our <laughs> guests. Whereby, so far, we've had about two guests, and mm -hmm. you are the third in line. At the end of the season, well, we will call it a season, and we'll see who has the most points, who's racked up the most points. So, dun -da -da -dun -da, cue Jeopardy music, which we will not have. <laughs> so, uh, where was coffee first brewed? A, mm. Ethiopia. B, Egypt. C, Somalia. D, Rwanda. I'm so ill-prepared for these questions. Um, what was answer A again? Ethiopia. B, Egypt, C, Somalia, D, Rwanda. I think I'm going for answer A, although I think it's D. Uh, write me down with A. I think it's a trick question. It's not wrong. Okay, <laughs> correct. A, Ethiopia. Okay. Doing well so far. 
Question two. In what year did Rwanda gain independence following a time of Belgian colonial rule? A, 1962, B, 1964, C, 1966, or D, 1968? Oh, I should know this, but I don't. Um, best guess would be 66. Okay. Unfortunately, <laughs> that was not the right answer. Thought so. What would it have been? It was A, 1962. Too bad. Okay, uh, question number three. Which country is the world's biggest consumer of coffee? A, Finland, B, Brazil, C, Bosnia and Herzegovina, or D, Canada? My best guess would be Canada, as that's also the biggest country out there. Not convinced. (laughs) <laughs> oh so close like if you were literally the other way around but an- correct answer was a finland finland okay <laughs> too bad fun fact the average in finland is about three cups a day so that tells you a lot about the amount of coffee they consume huh it's a whole lot that's a whole lot <laughs> okay number four the worldwide coffee market is valued at approximately a 25 billion b 50 billion, C, 100 billion, or D, 125 billion? My best guess would be answer D again. Um, Only on the premise that I drink a lot of coffee and I can imagine the market to be a big one. (laughs) Think I'm wrong again, but... (laughs) Yeah, you're so close because it was C this time. It was literally right next was a hundred billion. The worldwide coffee market is valued at approximately one hundred billion dollars. I'll remember this one. <laughs> <laughs> Next, number five. Nelson Mandela died. The Netherlands got a new king, and "Get Lucky" was the song of the summer. Which year are we talking about? Nineteen eighty-two. I will repeat. Uh, That's my bad because I didn't even give you the options. (laughs) (laughs) Nelson Mandela died. The Netherlands got a new king and get lucky uh, uh, with uh, Pharrell Williams and uh, oh gosh, the musicians are going to hate me for Daft Punk. Yes. Pharrell Williams and Daft Punk was the song of the summer. Which year are we talking about? A, 2010, B, 2011, C, 2012, or D, 2013? I was way off on this one, my initial guess. But um, let's go with answer D this time. I think Get Lucky was a recent thing. And I believe I some weird thing in my mind goes on that I believe Nelson Mandela died way sooner than he actually did. We're going with answer D this time. Okay, you're correct. Although I did assume you would have gotten it since the Netherlands got a new king in that same year. That's not something to remember? Oh, I know that we're one of the last countries that still makes use of having a king. Um, I'm not that patriotic. I think that's the right term to use. Ah, um, all well and good. <laughs> I know his name. I have no idea how old he is. I would recognize him on a photo, but that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> all right. Well, question number six. What website was founded in 2001 by Jimmy Wales and Larry Sanger? A, Yahoo, B, Wikipedia, C, Twitter, or D, MySpace? 
What was the year again? Uh, C was Twitter. No, the year which... Oh, in 2001. Uh, MySpace. Okay. Not the correct answer. <laughs> the right answer is Wikipedia, founded by Jimmy Wales and Larry Sanger. Okay. Number seven. What does a Hager count, countermeasure? A, decibels. B, earthquakes. C, motion. D, radiation. Come again. What does what a, measure? A Jaeger. Geiger? Oh, a Geiger counter, radio. Ah, I thought that was a Dutch word. <laughs> <Radio> <laughs> That's activity. my fault. <laughs> a Geiger countermeasure, yes. Yeah. Uh, you said radiation or radioactivity in one of the answers? Uh, deradiation, yes. Yeah, that would be the right one. Okay, correct. <laughs> I apologize. I thought that was a Dutch word. <laughs> it's not, no. Number eight. <laughs> Which classic book opens with the line, it was a bright cold day in April and the clocks were striking 13? A, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. B, Moby Dick by Herman Melville. C, 1984 by George Orwell. Or D, The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. For everyone listening, all these books are really good reads. Every single one of them. I'm going with one I actually read, 1984, although it doesn't sound too familiar. To correct. Some it oh, it is correct. Yes, okay, it is that's correct. Nice. That's, a, that's a famous <laughs> opening line. Okay. I, my memory sucks, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get these questions, though? Because uh, So, for reference, our questions are divided into different categories. So, you have the mm -hmm. sustainability you have the sort of geography of formulated questions. If you noticed in the beginning, the questions were formulated according to what the interview was about, coffee. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and towards the end, at some point, we just get into pop culture and geography and okay. see where it goes from there. Oh, and sustainability. Yes. Okay, makes sense. So question number nine. The unicorn is a national animal of which country? A, South Africa, B, Scotland, C, Japan, or D, Ukraine? I don't know how I should know this. Um, Japan is not, I think. We're going with the Ukraine. I don't know why. Just feels like the right answer. Okay, the correct answer was B, Scotland. I wouldn't have known, no. <laughs> I wouldn't have known this either, but it would have been very impressive if you got it, even on a lucky guess. Number 10, we're almost at the end. Mm -hmm. What is the closest planet to the sun? A, Mars, B, Venus, C, Mercury, D, Neptune. Uh, I'm going to cross off. Um, closest to sun. It's not Mars. Could you recall those answers? Because especially with my background in physics, I should know this correct. <laughs> A, Mars, B, Venus, C, Mercury, D, Neptune. We're going with Venus. I'm not sure if I'm correct. <laughs> oh, so close once again. The correct answer was C, Mercury. Okay, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Number 11. Which of the following musicians is or was not blind? A, Stevie Wonder, B, Ray Charles, C, Marvin Gaye, D, Andrea Bocelli. I think we're going with Bocelli on this one. Oh, so close again. The first <laughs> answer was Marvin Gaye. 
are there also prices for doing this test the worst out of all <laughs> participants? <laughs> I assure you, there you got some answers right. It couldn't have been that bad. So last question. Yeah. What is the name of the main character in the Queen's Gambit? A. Beth Harmon. B. Skylar White. C. Maxine Mayfield. Or D. Carrie Matteson. No idea. I haven't even seen that series. I haven't either. I also kind of assumed this would be a very lucky guess. We're going with D. And if it's correct, it's lucky guess. Oh, it was A, Beth Harmon. Okay. I'll try to remember it or watch it. <laughs> that is all right. So out of all of them, out of 12, you got one, two, three, four. Four out of 12. Not That's sure if I should be satisfied with that. I think you can be very proud of that. We put you through some tough hoops to jump through. <laughs> so once again, Thon, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to have this interview and mm -hmm. representing Bexke. Uh, we hope to see more of Bexke and all their work and to see even more of Eco Garden as well. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a pleasant day. Yeah, thank you for having this with me. Uh, it was great seeing you, Chi Chi, and then, it was uh, great have a nice day as well. Thank you. <laughs>